world. Hey. Hi. 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 Hello. Hello. Hi. It's like I forgot Mo to say hello. <laughs> Happy Tuesday, everyone. And welcome to this week's episode of Life with Kaka, the show where we lift the veil on who producers are and what they do. I'm your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. This week on the show, I sat down with music video producer Maggie McLean. She's a boss babe, and she owns Cheeky Films, a production company she started with her mom. I mean, could she be any cooler? I've spoken a bit about the extremities that can be a freelancer's life, so you never know what kind of day or week or year that person's going to be having by the time you sit down with them. But on this day, in October of 2018, because yes, that's how long ago this conversation happened, it was clear to me that Maggie loves her job. Her positivity and enthusiasm for this business radiates outward and is honestly contagious in all the best ways. But don't take it from me. I'll let you hear it for yourself. Okay, so just talking to your microphone. Hi, it's me, Maggie. I like to break shit. Yeah, Clearly. Maggie just uh, she she gave me a um, a gift <laughs> of of a challenge, and she wanted to see how I deal with high pressure situations. Uh, what did you learn, Maggie? Um, I learned that I shouldn't be on anybody's podcasts anymore because all I'm going to do is break things two minutes before we're supposed to start. <laughs> I will just fill in our listeners. Maggie got here and we were catching up and touching base and doing all of that. And literally like a second before I was about to press record. (laughs) I adjusted my position and broke the microphone. I insisted that we pull this microphone apart in an effort to try to fix it and save the day and be this like cool MacGyver uh, when all I did was make it even worse, and now I'm staring at a microphone, some scissors, tape, and a bunch of screws. So, so what's the lesson here? When when life gives you lemons, I don't know what's the metaphor. When life gives you lemons, be grateful that you have a spare microphone sitting <laughs> in the corner of your living room, just waiting to be used. Yes. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. So welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I know. We were just talking about this before we started recording. It took like four or five reschedules to make this happen five reschedules I think it was yeah Uh, not proud of that and I apologize but well it's one of the downfalls of interviewing producers is that they are so busy that you just have to adapt to their schedule and almost everyone I know freelances so you make a plan today for something two weeks from now and then a job comes up it's like yeah you have to adjust all the time which is what makes it so difficult it's all consuming and it just takes over your life and you have a partner and you want to sleep and eat right you know all of those things yeah you mean be normal what a concept yeah I know be normal have a balanced life it's kind of weird I mean it's definitely something you sign up for specifically for me as well like I'm a music video producer I work closely with labels and artists and um a lot of artists I have learned are basically nocturnal and so you know I've done meetings in the past where you have to go meet somebody at the studio and talk about a video for them and they're like okay cool meet me at the stew at 10 30 tonight and you're like <laughs> I've been working since 8 a.m and okay sure no problem see you of then of course yeah <laughs> and then it like 9 p.m rolls around they're like just kidding make it midnight yeah exactly or they're like oh just kidding uh let's try for next week 
And then, which is basically what happened to us multiple times on, yeah. when trying to do this. <laughs> okay, so music video producer, what is that? What does that mean? Oh, it's really fun uh, and very stressful. And my experience has taught me that a lot of people have very negative feelings about it and consider me a masochist because of it. Um, <laughs> what negative feelings? What people? Well, I think traditionally music videos have always been very low budget with very high expectations and that hasn't changed the only difference is that 20 years ago you had a million dollars to make a music video and now you have a hundred thousand dollars to make a music video with still the same level of expectation right and so i basically i work very closely with directors and with labels and video commissioners and artists to try to create something uh very special and unique for not a lot of money generally and but then uh, I get to impress my 19 year old sister and her friends so that's cool telling the artists I've worked with yeah into that (laughs) so who are some of the artists you've worked with I just did a video that came out recently with LCD sound system that was really rad uh, specifically because it was directed by a very special person named Ryan Johnson, who is incredible. I have worked with like Cardi B. I Black was an artist I worked with recently at Panic at the Disco. Generally these days, though, it's a lot more like hip hop, R&B stuff and some more that are coming out soon that I can't say. <laughs> Define like what a producer does, what a music video producer specifically does. Oh, that's tough. Um, just like most producers, I would assume. I, I actually know long form's a little different. There's more people involved. For me, it's basically I work closely with a director. I'm either approached by a label or a video commissioner asking with an idea, asking me to pitch a director for the video, or they come to me and specifically have a director in mind they want to work with. Um, the director then listens to the song, comes up with the concept. And then I take that concept from paper until it's a full, complete video. Like I do all the pre-production, shoot it. I manage all the post. I work closely with the labels the entire time and then deliver it. And the only thing I don't do is post it on the internet, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, someone else gets to have that moment of like completion. Yeah. Click submit. (laughs) But that is one thing I really love about commercials is that, or commercials, I just said, music videos. My background is more commercials. Uh, I came up doing those. And and commercials, when you work in production, you hand a hard drive off at the end of your shoot day, and that's the end of it, you know? And then maybe you see it on TV, and that's it. Yeah. Whereas with music videos, I, I have my hands on every single part of the process, And then so at the very end, when I'm watching it online, I can look at it and be like, that was great. (laughs) Or that was difficult. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know firsthand like what what the experience was like. Yeah. So how did you get into producing then? Take us to the beginning. Oh, well, back in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. uh, My mom, basically. I grew up in L.A. My mom has been in the industry since I was a kid. But she's always been um, on the accounting side of things and the business managing side of things. So she was a CFO for a long time for big commercial companies. And so I came up uh, spending my summers 
at production companies. I'd get off of school and then I'd go to my mom's office and hang out with the, sep- the receptionist at the front desk and beg to answer the phone and type up FedEx slips for them and, <laughs> you know, organize the office lunch and do things like that. And I started doing that when I was like eight, nine, ten, since I was as small as I can think and or small as I can remember. And then when I was like 16, 17, I would cover the receptionist's during spring break, summer vacation, whatever. Then when I was 18, I did my first shoot as a PA a week after I graduated high school and kind of figured out what I liked. I stopped PAing for a second. I moved away to Berkeley for a couple years to kind of decide whether or not I wanted to actually do that with my life. Took two years for me to realize, yes, that is what I want to do with my life. I came back here. I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep PAing, Mm -hmm. so I got into casting. I did casting for independent features for a little while and then uh, I was a personal assistant for a person and (laughs) (laughs) and then when I was about like 21 I started PAing again and then just worked my way up from there Hmm. yeah and so all commercials as a coordinator and then I PM'd commercials and then when I started producing I did a couple of things as a producer, but then my mom and I went off and started our own company. Uh, We started a non-union company called Cheeky Films. And both of us kind of like started the company just learning from our mistakes, I guess, and trying to figure out what exactly we wanted. All we knew is that we wanted to make a company that was for the people, really, like for the crews, for the people who put their blood, sweat, and tears into every project. A company that really respects and appreciates everyone who works with them and for them and makes great work because of it. That was our intention, and so we started Cheeky about two years ago, and we've been rolling ever since. Amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. I think it's awesome that you started a company with your mom. Yeah. How has that been? (laughs) It's been great, actually. Um, She, like I said before, she's always done, like, CFO stuff, so she knows all the business, all the legal, all the contracts, all of the accounting so uh it's kind of ideal because she does all of the stuff that I don't have time to deal with or the knowledge or the experience to deal with and on top of that she has like decades of experience at this point yeah my mom and I have always been very very close and so uh it's it's fun you know It's a little crunchy at times, but that's also kind of a good thing because then the two of us can be more honest with each other than other people. Mm. So would you say it's improved your relationship overall with her? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've always had a really good relationship, though. Like, that's the thing is that people are always like, how do you, how the fuck do you run a company with your mom? And I'm like, I'm like, well, my mom rocks. Like, yeah. (laughs) It's not that hard. <laughs> That's awesome. She's cool. And and she's just the most supportive person in the entire planet. And her whole goal is to uh, do what she can to help me. And my whole goal is to try to help her and, you know, make her happy as well. Like through the company, you know, I just mm-hmm. want her to feel fulfilled. So it's been it's been really nice. It's been really fun. You were saying earlier that that you went back to Berkeley to figure out if that's what you wanted to do and that you decided that, yes, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Why did you decide that? What made you reach that conclusion at oh such God. a young age, especially? Yeah. I was honestly, I was working for people that weren't the kindest people and they 
kind of felt like they hated their jobs. And I was like, why am I doing this? If like everyone else around me who's been doing this for 10 years hates their job. And so I left. And while I was in Berkeley, I worked at a diner and I was going to Berkeley City College and I was like living the small town life, like riding my bike everywhere, just like <laughs> really loving it. And I was, I was working hard, but it was, it felt like a, a vacation from my real life in a way. Uh, and then I reached this point where I was like, okay, so I can either transfer to Cal and like go to school and figure out what I want to do, or I can move back down to LA and I don't know. <laughs> figure it out figure it out I know I want to be in the industry I don't know what angle mm. or what aspect of the industry I want to be in so I was just like fuck it baby I'll move back to LA and I moved back to LA uh <laughs> and I was like I'm not gonna PA I'm not gonna do that and so again I did the casting thing and okay I got to do one of the coolest things in my career which was cast a Roger Corman movie before he died oh my god and I worked closely with Roger and his wife Julie to cast it the casting director I worked under I was her associate and I would do everything she was kind of like didn't understand technology that well love her really wonderful person didn't really get technology and so I did everything and it was so rad to like I was working at the New World offices with Roger Corman and Julie would come in the office every night and be like, show me your pics. Tell me why you like these people. And like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool. That was amazing. But honestly, okay, so when I was talking, this is also a little fun story, but when I was talking, I realized another thing that really inspired me to move back to LA and get back in the industry, and I shit you not, was diners, drive-ins, and dives. I was working at a diner and our diner was featured on diners, drive-ins and dives. I ended up being the featured waitress on the episode. Wow. And I was around a film crew again for the first time in almost two years. And I was like, I know what I'm doing. I know what this is. I know what this, and it was just one of those things where I was like, I want to be back on set. What am I doing? That kind of inspired me, honestly, to move back. That's so cool. (laughs) What a funny story. So then you move back, you, work in casting for a while and then you say I guess I do want to work in production after all I will PA yeah I just kind of worked my way up again and seriously the second I got back into PAing I was like oh you can work for great people and this is fun yeah and this isn't like I'm not at work until 11 30 every night like this is awesome and uh I loved it were I you a set PA it. or were you office PA office and set because we were because commercials like you do because commercials yes yeah you do it all <laughs> yeah and so I worked with the same team pretty much for two years straight, three years straight, maybe, rolling job after job after job, just like never really had any downtime. Moved on to another team when I started coordinating and like basically worked for the same producer nonstop for like four years before I started producing. Yeah. Five years, maybe. Were there any challenges for you jumping from one role to the other as you moved up? Yeah. It's hard. You know, like, yes, I do know <laughs> when you're working your way up, you don't have anyone who says, and now you're doing this, you decide it for yourself. Right. Yeah. And you just kind of have to fake it till you make it. If you're lucky enough to have someone who takes you under their wing and like really believes in you and wants to push you and elevate you, then like, that's amazing. But that's not what everyone gets. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, gets, I don't know if I subscribe know? to the faking it to me. It's more like, only you know instinctually if you are ready to move up to that level 
like once you've been around it enough and you've seen other, maybe like you're going from a coordinator to a PM, once you've seen enough PMs do that job and you can start to like be two steps ahead and know how you would maybe solve those problems, even if you're not the person solving those problems, to me, that's an indicator of like, I don't know like the full blown picture, but I have enough of an overview to understand what's expected of me that now I'm ready to kind of jump in yeah. and figure it out. Totally. But coming from an informed place, you know, not like then you're going to be overwhelmed because yeah. it's too much of a, it's a big, too big of a leap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, really, when you're dreaming about lighting your PO book on fire, that's when you know you need to, you need to move on. <laughs> yeah. And I think the reality too, is that a lot of the people in my experience who are very good move up very quickly, especially the coordinating thing. I think it's a coordinating usually handle a lot of the paperwork Mm -hmm. Um, they're responsible for all of that dealing with the vendors and you know you're you're there to make sure all the paperwork for the PM is in place at all times and so if you're a person who's hungry to like execute and problem solve like which most people who get into that trajectory are they get very frustrated a few years in because they outgrow the position and like Mm -hmm. to your point no one is saying, oh, I'm going to give you that chance. It's usually because the person wasn't available. Yeah. And then that's your moment to prove it, <laughs> you know, that's and do a good job. That's basically what happened with me is mm-hmm. that, like, I was very, very lucky to work with a producer who believed in me and loved me and for who I was and what I was capable of doing. And she was always like, no, 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 you're not a coordinator. <laughs> you're not a coordinator. Let's get you PMing ASAP. You should be PMing. And like once she got me PMing, she then was just like really encouraging me to move up. And it's hard because on her end too, she had to convince people to let me move up, Yeah. to let me do it. Even though I wasn't moving up every six months, I definitely did every position for at least two to three years before I moved and working consistently, you know, like never having down days really. So when you're working that often, you learn quickly and we're always learning more. That's the coolest part about being a producer and being in this world is that every single day is different. Every single job is different. You are constantly learning. Like people who've been doing this for 25 years are constantly learning Yeah. because there's just new things that there's new technology, there's new problems to solve, there's new creative that you're like oh my god how am I gonna get this crazy shot off the edge of a cliff in the middle of nowhere and build this crazy thing over you know like and as a producer it's your job to figure all of that out and so I love it it just keeps you hungry it keeps you invigorated like it keeps you satisfied like I go home every night and I'm like yeah (laughs) okay not every night sometimes I go home and I'm like why do I do this? <laughs> so on those nights, what what's the monologue in your head? When I'm like, why do I do this? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I just have to remind myself that I love my job and I'm lucky that I love my job. And I'm lucky that I have the ability to help other people in my job. Kind of going back to that idea that someone helped me I really 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 want to help people and I really want to help friends get into the industry I want to help really amazing people I work with move up I want to help make projects happen for people and like that's the coolest part about having my own company now is that I have random people approach me or 
friend of a friend or whatever and they're like hey I wrote this script my friend and I want to make it it's a 15 minute short we've got five grand to do it will you do it and I'm like in the middle of four other jobs at once and I'm like yeah totally let's do it I love narrative (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but it is that ability to be like yes I can help you like I have the answers that's cool yeah it's very empowering I think to know that it's like this skill of like it's almost like a survivalist skill where no matter where you get dropped off, like you're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I find the more I do these um, interviews that there's this like common thread of a spirit of the per- kinds of people who are drawn to producing. Yeah. To me, it's like, that's my tribe. I think yeah. that's why I'm so fascinated and why I'm like, I'm hungry to talk to more to other producers because when we're working together, rarely do you have the downtime to have these conversations because things move so quickly. And like, maybe you get that opportunity at like a rap party or after you shoot and you go out for wine, but then you've been working like crazy hours and you're sort of loopy and you know, you're just kind of not venting. What's the word I'm looking for? You are processing the job. Processing. I like that. (laughs) You know, you're processing the job, reflecting on the experience, which I actually love. I love that part of like, how can I have done this better? What lessons did I learn on this job? How did I grow? Like, I love those conversations. Like they get me all excited, especially over like a glass of wine, you know? Oh my God, same. But to have these levels of conversation where it's more intimate, like in getting to know someone and why they choose to stay in this crazy ass business and in this field when it can be so hard and so um, consuming. And I think I've spoken about this quite a bit, but like, it doesn't feel that way so much on the short form jobs, like when it's a week or two and then you get out, you know, you get to breathe. But I've done so many features and longer things where it's like three plus months. You're in the trenches for a while. It's a crazy life. It's a crazy life. And honestly, I don't have the experience of having like the three months. And I almost wish I did because the people I work with are so Well, let's make it happen. You have a company. Let's do a feature together. Yeah, we should. I, I would love that. love that. That'd be fun. I honestly, I feel so lucky that I get to know so many wonderful people through my job. I feel so lucky that I get to work with so many talented people and really, truly understand how they work. You know, like being able to develop a relationship with a director where you understand what they want, you understand what they need. That's kind of the cool part of short form. But you get that tenfold in long form. But in short form for me, I'm like, okay, me and this director, we're in the trenches for two to three weeks, like prepping this thing. We probably have, like a lot of times we end up traveling, which then brings you even closer because then you're traveling with someone for like two weeks. Mm. Um, Even if you are only on set for one to four days, whatever it ends up being. But you really truly understand how this other creative brain works and how you can you can wrap your producer arms around it and support it and make it better and nurture that that to me i feel like i see my stamp in other people's work because of that you know Mm. and as the producer same with the director same with any department head really is that the energy on set starts from the top Mm-hmm. and you really set it and I walk onto every set saying thank you so much for being here to everyone around me and 
because oftentimes in music videos they're working for low rates um <laughs> and so i always 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 want people to know that i'm so incredibly grateful that they are there and they said yes to this job yeah and just because you said yes to the shitty rate doesn't mean it's going to be a shitty day like i just did a shoot for a massive project for a big artist and we uh in our shooting process we shot in la new york we hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, it felt like. And on our second shoot day in New York, I woke up <laughs> I woke up to a voicemail from a location owner for the next day where he was like, sorry, totally forgot. Yom Kippur is tomorrow, and my boss is orthodox, and I can't do any business. Like, I cannot let you shoot here tomorrow. Oh, man. And it was a very, very specific location, and it was perfect and I had to like tell the director at the beginning of the shoot day that like I'm so sorry we lost that location I have two scouts out right now finding us another one like I know this sucks like it's gonna be okay don't worry we'll figure it out we go to set we get on set we're shooting an exterior with models and a car shot we set up on this like beautiful car car gets there we set up the hood mount shots ready models are ready we call for the models to come to set they're like looking fucking perfect everything is great and then all of a sudden it just starts pouring rain pouring rain and it poured rain for the next six hours and we didn't we lost an entire portion of our project because of it and it stopped raining we went to our second location and i mean the heavens parted and the rest of the day was perfect. And we finished our day, we finished our shoot day with like huge smiles on all of our faces and so pumped. And I was like, man, yes, <laughs> it can be okay. You know, things fall apart all the time and then we fix them, that's our job. I think that's the thing, it's who are you going to be when things break and fall apart? Like who are you going to be when the microphone, like for whatever reason, breaks? Like. You can throw the microphone and lose your shit. And like, I could have been like, you know what, let's just cancel this. It's fine. We'll find another time. But no, like the only way out is through. Yeah. Like I believe that. And I, I, there's always a solution. Like there's a solution to everything except for death and terminal disease. Yeah. And while it does feel like very important at the time, putting into perspective, like what you're really doing is important, you know, mm -hmm. and having people who get behind that and understand that. Because I, I don't know how the director took that news, but it sounds like he, she rolled with the punches and was like, we'll figure it out. Yeah, he's amazing. You know, <laughs> like that that's the energy. And, and if he had said, no, this ruins everything. I want to cancel tomorrow. Let's push. Like, which has to happen. It happens. You know, it could have created so many more problems that are yeah. not necessary instead of saying, it's just a location. Yes, it's perfect. Yes, there's a loss, but let's mourn the loss and then let's move the fuck on. Yeah. Let's continue getting shit done because at the end of the day, the people who watch that video are never going to know. They're never going to know. And they're going to love it anyway or not. It doesn't That's matter the what thing. they think. Yeah. You know? Oh my God. Same shoot day. Oh no. It was the next shoot day. Just when I thought everything like that could go wrong went wrong and I fixed all the problems and we were ready for our last shoot day. It was a whole other thing. But there was a point where we lost the light because of a PA taking our camera to the other side of town. Uh, and we were standing on a rooftop watching the world's most beautiful, perfect light just 
fall <laughs> and disappear. <laughs> the second we got our camera on the roof, the clouds covered what very little sun we had left. And I, that was a down moment. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's Maggie like in a down moment? Oh, I was mad. <laughs> and I don't get mad very often. I really, really, I'm not a screamer. I really, I don't want to ever be rude to anybody. Everyone's always learning. I get that. Um, but when someone does something that like has, like hurts our creative, that will get me. And yeah. it did. Um, and the DP, the director, the first AD are all guys that like I've worked with before that know me. And I was like stomping on this roof on my phone, just <laughs> being like, meh, 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 meh. and all of them are like, oh my God, I've never seen her like this before. <laughs> yeah. But then we got the shot and it looked awesome. And the cloud coverage, I felt like just added to it and it just looked even better. And like, that's the cool part about it, you know, yeah. is that you look at it and I'm like, oh no, that, that ended up being great. Yeah. And you couldn't have planned for that, right? No. Now you get something visually more interesting than just another beautiful sunset. Yeah. Either you lean in to what's there and how to make the best of it or you don't. Um, and I think the people that choose to lean in period in their lives, like in their professional life, but also in their personal life tend to be happier people and I think what a lot of people do and don't realize is that producers have to know everything like it is fine to specialize in one department and be really really amazing at your job as a grip as an electrician a lead man a prop master whatever it is right that's your world and you are the expert in that world producers have to know all of the worlds on set you have to know how to interact with them. You have to know how to deal with them. And when I say deal, I mean like talk money and negotiate. You have to know how to solve a problem. How do I convince this gaffer who's really, or this DP who are really amazing at their jobs that no, they don't need the helium balloon light. We can build <laughs> a different rig and make it work for cheaper. How you need to know everything. Again, going back to this idea where you're constantly learning, like, when I was a coordinator and a PM and as a producer, I'm constantly like, what is that? I don't I've never seen that before. Like, what's the point of that? Oh, that's what that does. Oh, that's what that head does. That's really awesome. Like, you know, learning all of those things I think are so important. It makes you so much better at your job. Yeah. Well, and being humble enough to admit that you don't know everything. Yeah. Like, like you were saying, it's totally fine to admit you don't know something because not everybody does. An electrician can explain something cool about technical stuff to you and you can explain to them how to properly fill out a time card yeah <laughs> you know that humility of saying like hey I'm trying I'm also trying to figure this out we're all here trying to figure this out and we're all doing our best and that's all we can do that's what it is that's it's, the energy that's the conversation that's is the that it's mm -hmm. I'm doing what I can I want to be better I'm sure you want to be better and let's figure out a way to make it happen there's always a solution there's always an answer and you have to find it every time yeah <laughs> I just started watching scandal mm. I'm between jobs so you know had a little time you uh, <laughs> between jobs yeah okay crazy well, busiest woman I know yeah no, okay not not totally between jobs <laughs> <laughs> but had a lazy had a lazy week <laughs> and uh I started watching scandal and in one of the first episodes 
I don't know if you've seen that show. The pilot, the first season, yeah. I've yeah. Seen it. So, so it's this this new woman has started with her with Olivia Pope's team, and they had some issue. I can't even remember what it was, but she had some issue, and she was like, "So we lost. What do we do when we lose?" And Olivia Pope just looks at her, and she's like. We don't lose. We never lose. There is always another way. There's always a solution. We will always go to the next. Even if they get convicted, we will appeal. And even if we lose then, we will have a second appeal and a third appeal. There's And she like gives this huge, long, like very inspirational speech. And I was like, yes, Olivia. Yes, that's us. That was a great, that was a great Kerry yeah, Washington, by the way. <laughs> well done. Um, no, it's true. There is always a way and you losing your shit is is not the way and i hate this idea that like at what we do even if it's a commercial it's an emotional process yeah. leaning into your vulnerability leaning into the emotion and being the person who can say oh shit you know what i actually don't know this i've actually never done this but you have will you walk me through it we can't do our jobs without every other single person around us and this is our entire industry we can't accomplish anything without a team, whatever, however big or small that that team is. We cannot do anything without other people. And it is, I'm saying team 12 million times now, but it is teamwork. Like that is the only way to accomplish anything you see mm-hmm. on the screen. People working together, having conversations, giving and taking where they can and making it happen and it doesn't have to be a miserable experience and I do think that I'm not trying to like trash anyone or their style when I say this but I do think that there are certain producers that have um, an approach that makes that isn't the most crew friendly and that doesn't make crew people crew members appreciate or like the position Um, there's this assumption that you know we're sometimes that you know we're rich and we're making all this money and we're you know taking from them and like they're the ones that are working hard all day and like that is not an environment that you need to cultivate on set that is not an attitude that you need ever anytime like I never will be the guy who's like this is my set and I'm the boss and you listen to me it's like at the end of the day there are two paths always love or fear right? So if you're choosing to bring that energy where you want to keep people on their toes and you want to put them in their place, that is coming from a place of fear. And that is putting fear in one way, shape or form into those crew members. So how do you expect them to go above and beyond for you? How do you expect them to be happy on this environment, in this environment that you've created? Oh yeah. So how are you going to get the best out of everybody if that's how you're choosing to operate? You can still be assertive and be kind. One of my goals and my missions is to sort of just bring more kindness into sets. Yes. I, I just think that we're missing that compassion and, and for, for our fellow man, regardless of what your title is today on this job, like that doesn't matter. Like yes. just be kind to each other. Be nice. Like we, at the end of the day, we get to do the coolest thing for a living. Like we get to tell stories and create something out of nothing together. You know, we need all of those people. Every single position is essential. And so this mentality, like I came up as a PA, I PA'd for a while. You know, I was definitely treated treated differently because I was a woman. Uh, There's also that. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, when I was younger and scrappier, I was definitely insistent on like, 
I remember getting in a fight actually with another dude that I PA'd with a lot one time because I was trying to lift a jib arm and he told me I couldn't and I told him I could and he told me I couldn't and I got into a it's one of my very few like onset altercations was because somebody told me I couldn't lift something. <laughs> Did you Which lift was kind it? Of funny. Yes. <laughs> I was so pissed. I was Ugh. like, it's like, don't you tell me what I can and can't do. Um, but yeah, you know, like we are all essential to the process. Why not respect each other and respect that? My favorite thing to say on set or to people when I'm working, when I'm prepping, whatever is like school me. Tell me what I don't know about this. Yeah. Because if we really need that, tell me why we really need that, and then we'll figure it out. Right. Exactly. And that's that. Yeah, you know? it's, it's a conversation, and I, want, I wish more people would treat it as such. That, and I think like, I've been lucky enough that I've been doing this for so long where I've been sort of like handpicking those people that are of that same cut from the same cloth, you know? Yeah. And so then it makes the experience um, excellent most of the time. Because you can have those conversations and, you know, like you work with a production designer who's saying, hey, I'm going to need this, but I'm going to save over here and it's all going to balance out. And you go, great, I don't care. Like whatever you need to get the job done with the number that I gave you. And if that's not enough, let's discuss. Let's yes. figure out a solution. It's, it's, you know, the days are long, but life is short and it doesn't have to be a terrible experience. And if uh, I've talked a lot about this with other guests on the podcast that like producers are the first people to cut their rates to you know you name it to do whatever needs to get done at for, for the project for the creative for that director's vision you know mm -hmm. um especially on longer format stuff so it's like people have this concept misconception of like oh this producer and this is what they're doing it's like yeah but you don't see the weekend hours they're working when you don't clock in and clock out because you're an hourly employee like you don't see that they gave up like half their rate and maybe, and it's not a smart like life decision, but people do it all the time for things they're passionate in I do because it all, the time. all the time, you yeah. know, and you don't need to wear a t-shirt advertising that. And it's not to victimize us like, Oh, poor producers. Look at us. We're just here suffering. No, it's to educate. It's really to educate people. And I think because there is this mystery of what is a producer and what do you do? And like, yeah, because there isn't a training school or a training ground that breaks it all down for you. No, you know, no. even if you've gone to film school, like there, you just learn by doing and getting on set. Yeah. I mean, there've been a lot of people that I've met and I'm not hating on people who have gone to film school in any way, but I'm like, if you want to be a DP or a director, go to film school. You like, you'll learn so much there. It'll be so beneficial for you. If you want to be a producer, get on set. Yeah. Like get on set, start as a PA, work your way up understand what all the departments do, understand how, what it takes to make the machine work. Yeah. That's the best way to learn. And going back to the rate thing, it's like, that's the first thing I do, especially with Cheeky, because it's my company. I do a lot of smaller projects, a lot of smaller videos, small shorts. Um, and the first thing I do is I don't put in a rate for myself ever. And it's not like my money, my company's making that money on the back end. Oftentimes we go over $1,000 or $2,000 on these smaller projects. So it's directly coming out of my pocket. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to like play the martyr in any way when I say this, but it's like, I, it's true. I'm just passionate about my job. I'm passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about help, help helping directors and bringing people up in the world and building reels and making good work and, and that's all I want is to make good shit with good people. Yes, that's my line. Yeah. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> really? Yeah. 
That's literally what I say every time I go in for any type of meeting general. doesn't matter. That's my line. I just yeah. want to make good things with good people because I have been a part of projects that are very impressive on paper and the experience of making those projects has not been great and has made me almost leave the industry and question my self-worth. And so that I don't place my value there anymore. You know, I, I thought that that's what like five, four or five years ago when I was starting out, I was like, oh, that's the goal. And now it's like, yeah, if we're making a diaper commercial, but we're having a, a great time doing it and a great experience, that's the only thing we can control. Yeah. You can't control how anything is going to turn out, really. No. We all have heard of and or seen the movies that has a star cast and a star director and all of the right elements that you would think would make something great. And it's a piece of shit. Yeah, and you're like, what happened? What happened there? So if that's what you're chasing is the result, well, then you're kind of fucked because there are no guarantees. Yeah. And, I mean, going back to this idea of, like, why do you do your job? Because you love it. Yeah, that's that's the hope. It's so hard. It's such hard work. You have to love it to do it. Like, you really do. And, like, it gives me fire. I wake up every morning and I'm pumped, yeah. especially when I'm in prep. Like when I'm kind of in a down zone, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. But um, I feel so lucky that I love my job that much. And I feel so lucky. That well, it's I, clear. I can see it when you yeah. talk about it. It's really <laughs> refreshing. Hell yeah. Yeah. And it should be. I want everyone to love their jobs. Yeah. Like that's the thing is that why can't we all just love what we do? Why would I do anything to make anyone's job or life or day more difficult when I can make it easier and funner and more exciting and more fulfilling, you know? Funner. Funner, yeah. It's not a word, but we'll let it slide. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. It was a beautiful, like you were expressing yourself (laughs) so beautifully, like we can't like knock that. Um, No, and and I, I think that most producers that I know and respect have that same um, integrity to them. And where I get sad is that they're always looking out for everybody else and there's not one person looking out for them. And that's when I think like we burn out, you know, and I think especially as women in this business, how can we look out for each other? How can we be there and support each other? You know, if it's your PM or even if it's your EP, whoever it is, like there isn't that hierarchy of like, oh no, I must be in a place of a, a position of authority. I can't actually just do an act of like an um, an act of kindness for somebody. Mm-hmm. The producers are usually the people that are not eating on set because they're running around making sure everybody else is taken care of. So one of my goals is when I'm on set is how can I show up for the other women on that set, my producers, the department heads who maybe are just like putting everybody else first and the ones that are not complaining about it usually are the ones who do it the most and don't ask for help, you know? And those are the people you have to go to and be like, did you eat? Are you drinking water? You missed lunch? Well, what do you want? We're gonna go get you something because you need to eat, you know? Yeah. Be like, you know, hey, I've worked with you long enough. I notice you're really overwhelmed right now. So what is like a tiny thing I can do to just make it a little bit better? I love that. Yeah. And it could be something as silly as like, I just want like a candy bar, (laughs) you know? Like I have this like, coconut water that I love, uh, harmless, harmless uh, harvest. If you're listening, I'm open for sponsorships. Um, (laughs) I said their name wrong. So probably they won't give it to me. Harmless (laughs) harvest. There it is. There Um, it is. There it is. Beautiful. So for me, it's like a treat to get like 
that coconut water and I tell every Coptic person, I was like, this is my favorite thing. This is what I need when I'm like feeling down or sad or whatever's happening. This is my treat. And every time I forget because I'm in the middle of it and then I remember it, I'm like, oh my God, that's right. I had this coconut water and that will just like perk me up, you know? And it's such a small yeah. thing. So what are those little things that we can do? Yeah, it just reminded me. So when we were on this slash the shoot I was talking about before, I was talking to the crafty guy. And you know, when you travel for work, you don't know the crews at all, especially in New York. New York's like a small, it's a bubble and, and they watch each other's backs and that's great. And they've got a community there. It's much different than LA. Mm. It's a smaller world and you know, but we all create our own bubbles of crews that we work with, obviously. But I was talking to the crafty guy and I told him that I just, I was like, whoever got all the LaCroix on this set, like, my goodness, thank you. Like, this is awesome. I'd love, I mean, I drink a shit ton of water when I'm on set, but I'm just like, nice to have something bubbly and refreshing and so when I was on the roof stomping my feet being angry about the sun and something that I had no control over obviously I uh these two PAs they get there and they they set up a little crafty table and cooler on the roof for us and I also like part of my anger was because I hadn't eaten so Mm. boom and I just like I walk over to the cooler and it was just chock full of LaCroix and I <laughs> and I was just and I just looked at it and I was like oh, they're thinking about me they care about me I love my job yeah <laughs> and it's fine you know like I I feel very lucky I'm not the kind of person where I get mad about something and I'm mad forever I'm mad about something generally for about 10 minutes and then I move on you move on yeah that's yeah, it that's <laughs> why would you be mad forever um but that was the thing that like snapped me out of it. And I was like, this guy doesn't even know me. And he's yeah. just being so kind. Just making people's day a little bit better. Yeah. And you feel it exponentially because I don't know how to explain to people not in our industry how lonely it can be working freelance. Hmm. You do not have the support system. I mean, we all have our own individual support systems. But when you're on staff somewhere and you have that routine and you have the same people that have your back, like... that is invaluable and as a freelancer you just don't have that and obviously we create our own worlds and we create our own support systems but just because I was rolling on job after job with a team for six months doesn't mean one of them isn't going to become available and that you know like and then all of a sudden you lose that energy and that connection with people having those little things where you're like hey I know you and I thought about you and I haven't worked with you in six months, but I really know you like this specific coconut water. So I got it for yeah. you on set. And you're like, ah, someone's thinking about me. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's it's the best. Like, I mean, the, the freelance thing and the loneliness of it is real. Um, I think it's important to educate the people that are hopefully listening and are interested in this career path because while it is fun and joyful, and you create all of these, all of this stuff out of nothing. That it comes with a lot of loneliness and a lot of despair, yeah. <laughs> you know, and a lot of what am I doing with my life when you're not working? At least for me. Oh my God, me too. Like, what it. are you like on those cycles when you're not working? I'm a fucking mess. Like I am, and I'm and I'm lucky because, um, you know, since I started my company, I've always got something going now. Like I've always got a small project I'm thinking about. There's always something in the works that I've like put off for a couple months and I can pick it up and call my friend and be like, hey, you wanted to do that thing? Like I've got a week, let's do it. Um, But 
you know, before, and that, that gives me a lot of power is having that production company, having an insurance policy where I can say, yeah. <laughs> um, when I was moving up, I had a situation where I didn't work for four months almost, three, three and a half, maybe four months. It was a situation that was out of my control and I was a mess. Like I was a mess. And I had a friend living with me at the time who was one of my best friends and she's in a completely different industry and does a completely different thing, but was also going through a really hard time at the at the time. And so the two of us would just be at home like all day, every day together, just commiserating <laughs> and yeah. being sad. And it's, I mean, it's terrifying, honestly, because you're like, I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from. I, I, it feels like you're never going to work again. And then on top of that, when you love your job, it's really hard not to be a workaholic as well. It's, you know, the job that gives you reason to wake up in the morning it's the job that like keeps you going throughout the day and it's it gives you purpose gives you purpose and I don't yeah. have like hobbies that give me that fire um my job gives me that fire yeah and so yeah it's fun for like a week to just be lazy and do nothing but it, then after a week you're like <laughs> yeah I'm exactly what's the next same. what's next <laughs> yeah it's like nothing's happening okay what other career paths could I could I pursue? <laughs> what else could I use these skills for? You know, like is it too late? Like maybe I'll start at the bottom, but I'll move up. You start having all these fantasies, and and I've actually never been in house anywhere, so I've been on this freelance thing my whole adult life. Like I don't yeah. know that world, and sometimes I'm, I'm afraid of stepping into that world, and maybe I hate it, but maybe I become safe in that perceived security. And then if I ever have to go back out into the world as a freelancer again, I would be like, I don't know how to do this, you know, because you get like so comfortable in your little nest. Yeah. I mean, and this is you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier um, and it comes. I don't know which is better being on staff or being freelance when trying to find personal time to like go on vacation or something like that on staff you can schedule things and you can go out of town whenever you want. But I guess when you're freelance, you can just say no to jobs for a month if you want. And sure. Like but then there's that. that fear of like, if you're not available, well then they're going to move on to the next person and then the next person becomes their go-to. And then now a month could turn into four months. Or That's six months. very true. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, no, it's way scarier to go on vacation freelance because you also could go on vacation for two and a half weeks, plan your trip, six months in advance yeah tell the world like your whole community that you're going on vacation for two and a half weeks and then your next job probably well 100 percent yeah or for will, another two to three weeks yes or it conflicts with your exact dates or you're like on the plane and that's when you get an email about a job you know yeah it's usually like that but at the same time it's like what are you not going to live your life like you have to also do your best in living your life and juggling things as they come, which to me is the same skill set for production. Yeah. Like you can only plan so much That's and then true. the rest is going to come up and then you just have to figure it out. There is this movement and this shift towards mindfulness and a balance. And like, if you are rested and you have your time, you show up a better person, you're a better employee, you're going to execute better. You're going to do your job better. So it's in everybody's best interest that everybody gets some chill time yeah. you know and yeah. I and you have to carve that out for yourself as a freelancer which is very difficult and again is just another layer of like being a hustler being a self-starter having to be the person who is on top of everything in your personal and professional life oh my god totally like you know? I went on vacation last year with my mom for her 60th birthday got a job in the middle of it spent I was like we went to Hawaii for her birthday 
spitting on the beach. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's not that bad. And you're right. You need to have that balance. You yeah. need to be able to just go out of town. You need to be able to find some sort of break. Yeah. I think it's great to love your job. But to me, if your entire identity as a human is wrapped up in your professional identity, then what is that all you are? Yeah. I mean, do you ever feel like that? Like your definition of self or your self-worth is directly connected to you as a producer and how much you work or how often you work or mm. the kinds of jobs you're getting? That's a really great question. Yes. And no, but yes, my career is so important to me right now that my self-worth is for sure wrapped up in the level of jobs I'm getting and what like what I'm doing, what I consider good work. You know, this is the first time in my career really with music videos that I've felt so passionate about the creative. At full disclosure, doing commercials, you don't have like a lot of control over the creative. You don't have a lot of input. It's it's a completely different process when there's an ad agency involved and when there's client agency director you know it's a whole other process not hating on it at all totally works for some people doesn't work for everyone and for me music videos were the first time that I was like this is what the director wants we're doing this for this artist we're making this like really beautiful piece of work short film potentially you know mm. like really really special not always does it come out exactly how you want it to. Like, we've all seen our projects kind of get chewed up and spat out in post, but that doesn't happen every time. Yeah. You know, having that fire of being like, the work I'm making is so good and I'm so proud of what I'm doing right now, that boosts my ego. You yeah. know, that gives me, that keeps me going. That is my identity at a, after a certain point. I guess to me, I, my, I love gardening and I love my friends and I love my family and like going out and socializing. And like, those are the things that I would consider a part of my identity. But yeah, my job is like who I am at the same time. Yeah. Interesting. So you think if that was ever taken away, would I'd you figure it out? Yeah. But I'd be like a hot mess <laughs> for a while. Yeah. For a, for a minute. <laughs> for a lot of minutes. <laughs> like what? Do you feel that way? Do you feel like your identity is wrapped in your yeah career I do yeah I do I think that because I you know my parents I'm, I'm from Brazil and my parents immigrated here when I was very young I was like nine when we came I very early on felt this sense of responsibility to them and to myself to like be really great at whatever I wanted to do yeah and so I was like total overachiever teacher's pet like I learned English very quickly I don't know how long it took me because I don't remember that process but I always have had this like drive that I can't describe to just like go do things. You know, I moved to LA alone when I was like 19. I was like, I'm going to figure it out. Like that's just always been so in me. And I take the fact that I get to do what I love very seriously. And I have a lot of pride for that. And, and I, it, I don't, um, it's not lost on me, you know? Yeah. So it's hard to not feel like this is my identity. But in the past few years, because I've had experiences where I thought like, oh, this is the thing that's going to like make me more fill in the blank. You know, it's going to complete me in some way or make others see me in the way that I think I should be seen and all of that sort of superficial stuff 
um, I, I now am more detached from it. Whereas I feel like I'm not above it by any means. I still, I'm still hella affected cause I'm a passionate person, but I don't feel like it defines me as much. Mm-hmm. Like it's still, my self-worth is still tied up in it, but it doesn't define me as much. And I think with every job and with every year, there's a little less like not caring. I still care immensely, but I'm not so invested that it costs me personally like so much. We're so lucky. I say it every day. I'm so, so lucky. I'm so lucky to have to be raised in the city I was raised in, to have the mother that I have that's as, support, as supportive as she is and yeah. is my business partner. And I'm so lucky to know the people that I know through my job yeah. and be able to go home with a smile on my face every day. And maybe I don't wake up with a smile on my face, but I'm only human, guys. But <laughs> <laughs> Of course. I think my biggest fear is waking up and, I don't know, being this version of myself that's like, in my mid to late 40s or 50s and I'm just like a cynical person who's just like seen it all and done it all and like oh there's a 22 year old PA who's just like green and bushy-tailed and and I've worked (laughs) around those people and I'm like wow if that's the end goal like you have the career that most would want on paper and then you get to see that person in real life and you're like wow but you're miserable it's heartbreaking but you know that is the reason why you need to stay hungry. That's why it's important to stay hungry. Hungry for knowledge, hungry for experience, hungry to know more people and what they do and what they yeah. have to say and their perspectives. Like that is how you avoid that reality is that you can't just become complacent. You can't just exist in your world that you've created for yourself comfortably and expect to get the same satisfaction out of it as you do when you're striving to be there every day. Yeah. You're striving to figure something out, whether that is the experience, the knowledge, the relationships, whatever it is, you yeah. know? And yeah, family. I mean, I'm very close to my family, and they keep me grounded, and they, that to me is very important too. I've been th- so excited and, and humbled by this podcast. Like, you know, just getting to do this, I get like so excited to like get my little pelican case with my microphones <laughs> and like go to someone's house and like Maggie set it all up. And break your shit. No. <laughs> and just like, and just get to sit and be like, wow, I get to like hold space with this person who's giving me an hour plus of their time yeah. and ask them whatever questions I want in this format that's so unique and interesting. I just love it. I love it so much. It's yeah. been such a gift to get to do this. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Honestly, this has been really, really lovely, even if it started out a little crunchy. Hey, with the all mic good. issue. <laughs> also, I just want to say that like people don't give a shit about producers and what we do generally, and I, which is fine. Like I'm okay with that. They care about the creatives, yeah, and the talent, and I get that, and I understand what the attraction is to it. Um, but I just want to thank you for taking the time to make this podcast honestly and just thinking about us and like what we do and how important it is yeah it's yeah you don't get like a lot of recognition no this is why i wanted to start it because there isn't ever a space where you get to have a conversation and learn about the process it's always focused on the creative people whether it is a music video or a movie or whatever it's like the the director and the writer will get you know, we'll speak at the Q and A and no one wants to hear from the producer is usually yeah. how it goes. And it's like, wow, but that is such an integral part of that team. Um, it's a disservice. And I, 
I hope that changes and that people see the, the value of it. But um, as do I. Now we just need to like have some panels and we'll change it for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so the last question before you leave is: uh, What advice would you give to someone who's listening to this that wants to get into the business, but more specifically, who wants to produce at any level? Uh, don't stop. I know that sounds so cliche, but there are going to be, in the beginning, it feels like there's going to be more hard days than not. And the best way to learn is through experience and fucking up. And if I could tell you how many days and nights and mornings I've spent crying out of frustration for because of X, Y, and Z, because I messed up something because I forgot something because you know nobody is perfect we're always 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 learning and you can't let that stuff break you the best way to learn is to mess Mm -hmm. up whatever the repercussions of your mistake are you deal with it you move on you won't remember it in six months or maybe you will but it's in the past and all you can do is learn from it and try not to do it again you can't let it break you very good that's great advice yeah (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I'm so glad. I think everything happened the way it's supposed to. Yes. Yes. Thank you again for tuning in and doing this life thing with me. Keep tuning in every week. It means the world to me. If you like the show and you don't already, please subscribe, rate, like, review, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. I'd love to hear from you. I'm at Carolina Gropa. The show's at Life with Kaka. Hit me up. Tell me what you think. I'd love to hear from you. Until next week. Beijos.